Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Patreon mailbag, or the Doug in Dallas mail sack, or whatever the hell it's being called now. These days, I'm Drew. My good friend Dallas is with me from YouTube's very own Dallas Palace of Analysis. Dallas, how, hey. how's life? Uh, life is good. Life's busy and crazy. I'm about to go on strike. It's going to be amazing and fun um, and scary and terrifying and exciting. Um, but yeah, life's pretty good. I've got a delicious Sazerac to accompany me tonight. Um, a what? Sazerac. It's a beautiful New Orleans cocktail. Um, it's uh, just rye whiskey, Peychaud's bitters, uh, simple syrup, and a absinthe rinse. It's delicious. Delicious, I like that you make your. I like that you make your own drinks at home. Oh, absolutely! I have a very stocked bar. Like there is no way I'm making drinks at home. <laughs> They're so expensive. If you go to like you go to a nice cocktail place, you're looking at you know with tip like twenty bucks a drink. I know, um, but I'm just I'm just not <laughs> I'm just not doing it. Because you got to do all the, like the shaking and then the cleaning of the uh, the glasses. It's it's too much for me. But you know what's not twenty dollars <laughs> <laughs> per night? Amazing transition. Um, yes, thank you. Is the um the Strickland <laughs> Patreon page, guys? Listen, you guys need to become a member of our Patreon if you're not already. I mean, this is the free preview right now. I think that's how this works when we publish this. That there's a free preview and then the full thing goes up for the patron. So for for all you free people, just you know, mooching off us. <laughs> go to go to patreon.com backslash the strickland and pick one of our tiers primarily the um i don't know which one i think it is either the six or nine dollar a month one that's basically gets you to listen to this podcast and so much more you get the content from jack huntley i think you get schwins um yep. podcast um yeah, so like you get tons of stuff. So get, check it out at is it yeah patreon.com backslash the Strickland. You can get there through our website too. So and look at that not, transition. Not only do we always put the very best and funniest parts of our uh, podcast behind the Patreon wall, um, <laughs> mostly because we're 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 most drunk and most tired uh, after we've got on for over an hour, but. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But you also would get access to the uh, the Discord, which probably is like the best 
part of all of the Strickland. It's so much fun to just. I mean, especially especially because Elon Musk Twitter is uh, it's going down the drain. <laughs> that's right. That's a good point, man. You don't want to figure out how to use Mastodon, um, <laughs> and you're tired of Twitter or you're worried about it. The next Discord, uh, the Strickland Discord, it's it's popping. We probably have what. Like 150 people or something like that in there. Um, yeah, so and, then we'll, and then we'll have like at least like you know people constantly participate. Like it's constantly going on. Yeah, and it's yeah. not just next too. We talk uh, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Um, we got a dedicated channel to nerd talk. Yeah, for all the nerds. <laughs> uh, Sopranos talks for all the Sopranos. <laughs> Specifically, for a while we had a Lord of the Rings uh, channel. That's what I'm saying. We got we got all of it. House of the Dragon. You yeah, name it. You name any piece of culture that <laughs> touches the world. We have a Discord channel for it. Yeah, we need. We might need to get a SpongeBob one going. Yeah, then we can do things like get like an ice cream one, mm-hmm. snack one, snack one. Yeah, Let's we do about... have we have food and wine manger scene. Yeah, but I'm talking like you know like talk about like cheese it. <laughs> <laughs> not like it not like a nice pasta dinner that's cooked in like a wine sauce no i'm talking like cheese it's pringles yeah yeah shout out mikey uh with his uh pesto recently and his bright green crocs he, uh, <laughs> he shared, he shared a, a picture of his uh his uh his pasta in the the discord recently and i i could hardly see it because i couldn't take my eyes off his Starling, bright, flashy Crocs. I gotta check this out now. So, see, there you go. This is what you're missing out on. Food, <laughs> Crocs, basketball talk. But right now, we're gonna answer um, your mailbag question. So, in order for you to get on this show, you have to actually get on the Discord and go to the mailbag question channel to ask us these questions. That's where they come from. These are from the uh, people who are Sopardos, which is great. You know, the, you know, the Knicks fans that just are crazy about this team that will stay up late watching that Timberwolves game. <laughs> so, yeah, first question, Dallas, is from a smiling Julius Randle. You can only do one. Is that the guy? That's the that's used to be vintage Randall. Yes. <laughs> right. But the great names keep coming. Okay. I know that. We, yeah, there's some amazing names. You can only do one. Trade Randall or fire Tibbs. The other one will be with the team for the next three years minimum. What are you taking? Fire the fire Tibbs. I always for I always go back and forth between calling him Tibbs or Tibbs. Tibbs fire Tibbs gone. Tibbs gone. Easy. Not a not even a big challenge for me. Um, <laughs> like a player you can sit and rest. Um, you would hope. For, for one, right? Like Julius could come off the bench or something like that. Um, uh, you can change schemes. You can do all that sort of stuff with players. Um, you would hope in the next three years that we're maybe starting to look more like a contender. Like we've maybe pulled in another star or something like that. I think three years is not crazy for that. And I just don't think Tibbs is... I mean, I th- we just have an abundance of evidence that he's not an adjustments coach. Um He's very much the sort of coach who's like, you know, he has his scheme. It's pretty, especially on the offensive side of the ball, vanilla, uh, pretty simple. And when it comes to like changing, like when you know things go wrong, what's he going to do? His like advice 
the, what he's going to yell at the team, what he's going to tell them in the huddle. It's going to be like, play harder. Yeah, you know? execute. Hands up. Execute. Yeah, exactly. Like, ro- Obi, 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 yeah. hands up. Rotate. You know, like, this This is his sort of advice. <sighs> and he's yeah. never going to – he's not going to – He's not going to see a mismatch that we have and target it um, or something like that. He's not going to find a weakness in the opposing team and target it. Instead, he's just going to run what he's always run. Um, And I think when it comes to the playoffs, uh, that's just not good enough. Um, Unless you, I mean, maybe if you have like LeBron James, but, (laughs) you know, in his prime or something. But for most teams, even very good teams, um, that's just not good enough. You need a little bit more than that. Uh, you need a coach who's able to adjust. And I, I mean, I just don't trust him in terms of I mean, uh, rotations in terms of, and all sorts of things. So like if you're actually trying to compete, um, I don't think he's the coach for you. And I don't think he's the coach for you if you're trying to develop um, guys who are where our young guys really are. Um, I think there's something uh, actually valuable about Tibbs with young guys when they're new into the league. Um, he has such different standards um, and accountability for young guys and vets that I think it forces young guys to play just crazy hard and crazy disciplined. And I think that's probably really great for a lot of them um, first getting into the league to have that kind of accountability and to have that, um, you know, that knowledge that you basically just have to be, um, you know, twice as good as the guy in front of you, the vet in front of you, if you're going to get any minutes um, I think that probably gets guys to work harder, to be more disciplined, and to develop faster in certain ways. Um, but once you have guys who sort of have that, and a lot of our young guys do, maybe Cam Reddish is an exception where I think Tibbs might still be pretty good for him. Um, but once your young guys have that, then you need a coach who's more willing to experiment, who's more willing to trust them, who's more willing to put them in new roles um and try new things with them give them more responsibilities change up their responsibilities and really test their limits the limits of what they can do and that's not the sort of thing tibbs is gonna do or be really good at um and that's gonna cap your team um you know julius randall controls julius randall uh and i think he could i think he could be a solid contributor on a playoff team um i'm not i'm not totally out on that possibility so yeah the answer for me is easy tibbs is gone uh randall stays for the next three years minimum (laughs) so i'm i've been trying to come up with the the counter basically right like what would be the counter to basically like what's the counter to that and what's the randall argument well my i think and i think i think this is what i can this is what i came up with (laughs) i think i got you good no, let's hear it. What do you got? Okay, this Sound is what it. I got. If you trade Randall, Tibbs has very defined roles, right? We kind of see that going into it. We see that, especially now. Each player, there's a 10-man rotation. Mm-hmm. All 10 players have specific roles <laughs> that they need to fulfill. Specific backup roles, the starting roles, and all these specific things. Usually fours have to play with the, have to play at the four, fives at the fives, three at the three. All these sort of things. Because of that, if you trade Randall, that means he has to play Obi thirty six minutes because that's the role of the starting power forward in Tibbs' world. So when you do that with Julius Randall, 
you're also probably going to trade out like an Evan Fournier or a Derek Rose. So that means Emmanuel quickly takes their minutes. So there you go. That's <laughs> you're just throwing in. Yeah. Well, what if also Rose and Fournier? No, I hear. I hear. I definitely hear you. Um, no, I don't. I don't actually like. I don't actually believe that. It's just like, what's the best thing that I could come up with? It's just. It's this weird logic of like, well, if you force him to buy into his own tendencies in a roundabout way where you have no choice but to play the good players, it'll work. And to me, that's backwards logic. Like you just, (laughs) or you could just not do that. Yeah. 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 And I'm all about getting Obi more minutes. And I, I do agree moving Randall would do that. Um, But better coaching probably would do that too. Um, We're going to get, there's, there is a question later on about kind of like the best type of lineups and, minutes and stuff like that so like we could get into that topic because you're right like it's not impossible (laughs) especially when you look at the timberwolves game how you can break it down but all right next question is from g baked was randall getting second team all nba the worst thing that could have happened no nuclear nuclear holocaust would have been worse god i wish i had the soundboard (laughs) just so i could just boo you right now (laughs) <laughs> I can think of many, many things worse. Uh, <laughs> I, it was bad. Uh, I think it's hard to deny that it hasn't been ba- bad for the team. But um, I don't know. You're given the lot. You're given, and then you got to do what you, what you, what you. You got to do the best you can with the lot you have. So that this is our lot. Um, Julius was awesome, and it wasn't crazy. I don't think to extend him after that year. Um, like they did. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that was a reasonable thing to do. I understand, you know, I mean, at the time it was just like widely like, yeah, this, everybody thought, yeah, this is the thing to do. Right. Um, yeah. Every but, single person. And then he went to shit and had a terrible year. Uh, to my eye, he's been a lot better this year. Um, mm, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far to say a lot better. I would. I mean, he's had some down games for sure. Uh, some? But, yeah, he's had some down games. But I thought this last game, for example, um, forget the shooting. I don't care about the shooting. That's going to come and it's going to go. And, like, you know, he's not going to – he can't control that that much, right? Like, you want it to be a decent – you want it to be, obviously, a good percentage. That's better than a worse percentage. Um, but I, what I was impressed with in the last game was actually defense. Um, he was, like, calling out scram switches on the fly – when there'd be a mismatch on like Carl Anthony Towns, um, he was really his help defense execution was good. Uh, especially, um, I was focusing a lot on him in the first quarter. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Really, he had a few, maybe like two errors during the first quarter in like a twelve minute stretch. Which did like, you did you focus on the second half defense of his at all? Yeah, some of it wasn't great, but. Also, some of it was still pretty solid. Like, I don't think it was that bad. I was actually surprised because I was going into this game thinking, oh, man, this is going to be bad just because of the way people were talking about it on Twitter. And that's kind of why I started focusing on him. And I was I thought he had one of the the better defensive games he's had in a while, um, to be honest. Uh, It's also pretty easy to defend when your opponent doesn't want to show up to play basketball that night. I mean, yeah, I (laughs) some of that's true for sure. But I mean, I honestly think especially... Um, there were there were times in that game where the Knicks defense was just connected on a string. They looked good. I 
I just, I mean, I thought they were really good. And I think when Mitch isn't in there, um, Tibbs scheme makes a lot more sense. Like um, when Mitch is in there, I'm always like, man, why are you over rotating so much and over helping? Like, just let trust Mitch, let him like Mm -hmm. clean up that stuff down there and then, you know, protect the perimeter a little better. But when you have Hartenstein or Sims, um, or even when you're playing small with Obi Randall, um, it makes a lot more sense to do this sort of overhelping thing because you don't have that same sort of rim protection. And I thought they were doing it maybe the best they've done it all year um, for stretches during that game. Um, and Julius was a big part of that. Uh, so I don't remember what the question is. <laughs> but I I the think... Question, I the question is, was... The question was, was Randall getting second team All-NBA the worst that could have happened? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Obviously. All right. So the next couple questions are related to one another, right? So I'm going to read you all of them. There's, there's, there's like a common thread that you're going to, you're going to see here. Okay. So Cam Brownish asks... Would you trade uh, Mitch after December 14th? Well, I think, you know, the 15th and Fournier to Indiana for Turner and Heald, right? So he gave details on like, you know, basically like the argument for it. So Turner would open up the spacing around the rim, you know, because he's shooting really well, like 50, he said 50% from 10 to 16 feet. Um, he doesn't really need to shoot the three, just like the idea of like kind of like heart, heart and sign, like a theoretical thing. And then, Grimes or IQ would then start at the two, and then you're gonna have Heald come off the bench to replace Fournier. That's kind of logic, and like he's the better shooter than Fournier. So that's what uh Cam Brownish was getting at. Young Pavardi then asks us, forget your Randall annoyance. If you just replaced Fournier with Grimes in the rotation as is, you know, as it is currently exists, how good would this team be? Then G Baked asked us, seems like Fournier is the one that needs to go ASAP. What is your ideal mock trade? What is your realistic one? So as you see here, the theme is the idea, basically like Evan Fournier pretty much going on. And the potential idea of potentially trading Mitch after re-signing him. But um, I think we should probably, I think we probably should talk about Evan Fournier a bit more. So I know for me for yesterday's game, I completely forgot like all the good he actually did because he made one really bad pass to uh, was it Jordan McLaughlin? Yeah, terrible, but, terrible play. Ter- like a terrible pass. Weird but play. Overall, but... he was good in that twelve minutes. Generally speaking, like what he does, he just kind of like he's like, oh, I'll just I'll just team it. I'll just team it up, and he was passing the ball, moving the ball well, taking smarter shots, not doing his dribbling like. Him off the bench is pretty much, I think, what a lot of people have said, makes so much more sense for him and his career and his skill set and everything. Yep. But I don't remember who the fifth guy was, but there was a stretch where it was IQ, um, RJ, Obi, Evan, and Tibbs was like yo yoing with Hart and Sims. So I don't, it might have been Hart. I think it was Hart. Um, but uh, they looked really good together. They were yeah. intuitive, moving the ball. And like Evan Fournier, I so yeah, I do think that ro- that lineup would be better probably with Grimes. Um, but uh, 
you know, mostly because of what he gives on the defensive end. But I do think Fournier is going to be, and over time will look better in the backup, um, in the, Mm -hmm. in the second unit. And a big part of the reason is like, so, uh, notice what's happening with Cam Reddish now in the, the starting unit versus what happened with him on the bench. He's getting fewer catch and shoot opportunities. Um, and he's touching the ball less. Like he had one game, um, where I think I you mean he has. Are you? Do you mean he's getting more cat, more catch and shoot opportunities and less on the ball? No, fewer of both. Okay, um, you're saying fewer. I just wanted to make sure. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, where, there was one game where he basically. I don't think he touched the ball for like the first half, uh, mm-hmm. and he played a lot of minutes. Um, maybe he touched the ball once, like, um, and. So this this most recent game against the Timberwolves, he was just sort of anytime he did touch it, he's like, "All right, I'm shooting it." Contested three, like I'm gonna shoot it. And I don't think his decisions were bad. I think he was he was actually quite good in mm-hmm. the game. But one thing you'll notice is like that first unit really isn't very good at hitting shooters or finding shooters, um, and they are so stagnant. So if you want to think like, um, what's Evan Fournier best at? He is best as a catch and shoot guy. He's best in an offense that's moving around, getting him the ball. That it's going to get him the ball in the in the the flow of the offense against uh, tilted defenses where he gets to either catch and shoot or he gets to attack you know a tilted defense and then pass it out um, or he gets to move do actually like some movement threes which he's pretty good at right like he can mm-hmm. he can do that he can set guys up and do that sort of thing. but that doesn't happen at all in the starting unit in the starting unit. Um, uh, I mean, it's just that of, it's just that two man game with Randall that really isn't that good to get two-man game no matter what and like the other guys just for the most part are stationary around the perimeter mm-hmm. um and there's occasional little things thrown in but they're never actions does like there is a certain pick and roll action they do where they do an off-ball stagger screen um and they run it probably at this point maybe 15 maybe even 20 times in the 10 games they've played and i bet uh zero times i like an almost guarantee zero times has the guy running the stagger screen gotten the ball, right? It's just these sorts of off-ball actions, even as rare as they are, when they happen, um, they're not, the path, guys aren't looking for those passes. They're mm-hmm. just not. So Fournier was like, you know, the only time, he was getting the ball, like, and it was like, he was running pick and rolls and stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, all of his threes are either like fadeaway corner threes. Like or as these like, pull up off the pick and roll, which that's not his pull-up shot either. Yeah, like, just, you're not putting him in a position to succeed. And, like, don't get me wrong, he's been bad. He's been very bad. But, like, he's also been in, like, the worst possible position. And I do think in the second unit, that's going to move more. That's going to be more free-flowing. That's going to get him the ball in catch-and-shoot opportunities, I think, a little bit more frequently. I think he'll end up being a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. We're obviously still going to have his defensive weaknesses, um, and Grimes replacing him to Schwinn's point um, would be, yeah, that's going to, I mean, that's going to be a, a significant improvement in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like, I'm not sure that that's like changing. Um, I don't, I don't think that's changing. Like, you know, you're not swinging like 10, diff- 10 games. You're not swinging five. What are you swinging? Maybe three games or something like that over the course mm-hmm. of an 82 game season. Um, maybe, maybe a little more, uh, but that would be pretty surprising to me, I think. So I don't think it's going to make that huge of a difference replacing him, but I would be really excited to see Grimes in that second unit. And you Mm -hmm. might get some of those, 
with with an Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, um, depending on who you have. But like if Tibbs continues doing a little bit of his uh, staggering that he's been experimenting with, if you have like Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, like RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Hartenstein or something like that, you could have some of those um, crazy runs we saw last year built mm-hmm. on the back of good defense where you have like these, you know, like, oh my God, the, the bench just went on this like 15-0 run um, or they end the game plus 23 or something like that, you know, like. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's my that's my thoughts on the Fournier thing. To the Cam Brownish question about trading um, Fournier to Indiana, uh, Robinson and Fournier for Turner and Heald, and he suggests that you'd have to, add some picks in order to do it. Um, I've just been, I've always been team Turner skeptic. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big Turner skeptic. And I also think, um, so, so maybe I'm not the best person to talk about it, but like, (laughs) I've, uh, I just have watched Turner get uh, neutralized too frequently. And like teams just put their worst defender on him. Um, And so, like your thought is, oh, you have a stretch five now and it's going to like open up the floor. But what they do is just put their rim protector in the paint um, and have their worst defender on Turner. And uh, uh, then the rim protector still is able to have a similar impact. Or like when Sabonis was there, what they would do is they'd have the rim protector guard Sabonis and then put the four on Turner. And you just sort of neutralize the effect of having that spacing five. Um, So he's like, he's a good player. Um, but like, you know, I don't think that, uh, with respect to like spacing that Mitch is really the problem. I honestly Mm -hmm. think the scheme is a bigger problem than Mitch. Um, although, I mean, I guess you could say something about Mitch's screening being a problem. Um, but ultimately like you can have just as much space with like most NBA teams, right? Play four out one in. That's just most NBA teams. Um, there are some five out teams and there are like a few three, two teams, but for the most part, offenses are like four and one. And mm-hmm. part of the reason for this is that you actually do gain a lot by having a lob threat rolling to the hoop. Um, and you can create spacing by having your bigs set screens on the perimeter. So I've been watching the jazz a little bit, which um, they have just an incredibly fun offense right now, but they've been incorporating a lot of like, Um, I think of them because this is like the first person, the first coach who, um, I really was, uh, introduced to these sorts of sets from. So I don't, I don't think he's the original, um, Popovich did a bunch of it too, but I always think of them as like Terry Stotts style sets. Cause when he had, um, you know, Dame and CJ McCollum, he would often have, he'd play two big lineups with those guys, but he would just have them continue to set uh flare and pin down screens just repeatedly for those shooters like just the bigs would just be on the perimeter Mm -hmm. just screen turn screen turn screen you know and then like one one then they'd slip to the basket and uh or uh, uh, roll to the basket and then back out to screen again and you just have this constant churning and that offense had so much space um you see similar things with like you know the spurs the great spurs teams with like duncan um, sometimes they play Duncan and Tiago Splitter. Those teams had incredible amounts of space, right? Um, mm-hmm. And sure, they did have some shooting around them, right? Um, but you can use bigs 
who are not Tiago Splitter is not <laughs> a stretch vibe, right? Um, Tim Duncan could stretch it out a little bit, of course, especially as his career went on for sure. Um, but he wasn't like shooting a ton of threes or anything like that. Um, but mostly the space was created by the big screening for shooters. And there's no reason the Knicks couldn't do stuff like that with Mitch if they wanted to. Um, it's just Tibbs has no interest in running an offense like that. Um, so I don't think of like Mitch being a problem for spacing. Um, I think it's more of a coaching scheme thing. Uh, I don't know. So I got a trade proposal that not only includes Mitch, but will include Fournier. But before okay. we get to that trade, I got something for you, specifically <gasps> you, Dallas. Uh oh, I'm excited. I'm kidding. It's not. It's actually for NBA fans. The wait is over. <laughs> Basketball is back. So tip off the NBA season with DraftKings Sportsbook. You got it, guys. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Dallas, you can use $200, right? I think I could, too. Absolutely. Right? And all you need to do is bet five bucks and it's yours. It could happen just like that. That's 40 times. Do you how <laughs> I did I do math right? I hope so. So yeah. check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100 percent with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in and place a stepped up same game parlay today. Uh, with payout, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where to go to bet in the NBA. So if you're really excited to, I don't know, see the Knicks play the, who are they playing tomorrow when this is being released? <laughs> the Nets, right? Oh, yeah. So when they're playing the let, Nets, you know, you would want to bet the the money line on that game. <laughs> <laughs> you would so. want to bet on Ben Simmons scoring under 10 points. And fewer than one three. Yes, there you go. That's where you could do that. So this is the call to action right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. And 1-800-GAMBLER for your... All you gambling addicts. So. TBPN, throwback Patrick Knight. Patrick Ewing Knight. Uh, I was thinking more like right. testicles, balls, penis, nips. You had nuts right there. Oh, fuck, I did have nuts right there. <laughs> <laughs> you had, it, had them right there staring at you. I just, had, I just had those nuts at the tip of my tongue. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Ah, bet your money and lose it all. Woo. Yes. Open thank you. All. Thank you. So. Hundred dollars. That sounds pretty cool. There we go. Also, <laughs> in the, the Strickland Discord, we have a a degenerate fucking gamblers ch- channel. So there you, you can go. Become a Patreon and then get all of uh you know uh specifically Schwinn's uh <laughs> advice yeah, on betting. Does he win? Who knows? But that's that's a risk you're gonna have to take. <laughs> <laughs> 
So our next question, we have two questions from, oh, well, we kind of, and we kind of answered the second question of his, but this is from Villain X. Will Grimes play again this season? And do you think Evan will find a positive role in the bench? So we already kind of discussed it. Like, yes, there will be a positive role. And do you think Quentin Grimes is <laughs> going to play again? Yes. Yes, he'll play. I mean, plantar uh, fasciitis can be like a. That's but what it's, it's not. Right? But we don't know if it's plantar oh, we fasciitis. We're just uh, we're just suspecting it is because his foot's always sore, and it's like, why is his foot always sore? Like that's the only yeah. thing we could think of. But they haven't said anything. He could have like a bone spur or something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he just needs to. Uh, he needs to get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he'll play again. I. Yeah, I think he will. Well, like, next... sorry. Go ahead. Oh. No, I was going to get to our next question. Do you want to hear it, or do you want to Let's make hear one last question. point? Let's hear the next question. Our next question is from Villain X. Is Deuce starting or can starting a bigger insult to IQ? Oh, Deuce. Deuce. It was Deuce. Deuce. It was Deuce last season. That was yeah. the biggest insult. The Cam one could have been an insult, but Cam has been pretty damn good on ball defense. So, like, you kind of – you can't really, like – I don't know, man. Like, I don't like it, but it's not like Cam has been, like, I can't be like Cam is bad, because that's not true. Nope. I'm officially a member of Cam Fam. Um, I'm a proud card-carrying member. I pay my dues. Um, Cam Reddish is going to have a long career in the NBA. He's he's a good player now, and he has he has a legitimate, like, he has a, he has a ceiling. There's, like, there's room for him to grow as a prospect. Um, I think the front office again has proven that their eye for talent is really good. Um, and basically with every, like every move that has been a draft move or like a trade, um, I think has pretty much outperformed expectations from this team. It, with the exception of, free agency where you can say it's been a hit or miss with Brunson being a big hit and then some like mess with Fournier and then a miss with Kemba. Um, yeah. I think beyond like free agency, if you just look at the draft and then you look at what they did with um, this particular trade for Cam and then the Derrick Rose trade too in the past, um, they've just, their talent eval has been, it's just been great. Um, I'm really into Cam right now. I think he's awesome. I don't think it's an insult at all to IQ um, that Cam is starting over him right now, even though I think Cam is, or excuse me, IQ is a better player right now. Um, yes, I would agree with that. Cam makes sense in that unit. RJ and Cam up front is amazing, especially they're like, so one of the cool things about Cam starting is we finally realized why Tibbs spent the last um, two years uh, not having Julius Randle switch pick and rolls, despite the fact that Julius Randle is literal garbage at drop defense, like the worst drop defender in the NBA. Um, and specifically the reason was Tibbs was afraid of Fournier and um, Reggie Bullock before him getting mismatches. That was, I mean, that was the answer. Because the second he put Fournier, pulled Fournier and he put Cam in, um, he's like, all right, Julius, switch all the pick and rolls. Um, except with a five. So the fives aren't switching pick and rolls. Uh, they're switching one through four. 
Um, and it's been awesome to see. There's been some growing pains, but they've been getting better at it. And with Brunson, Cam, and RJ, excuse me, not Brunson, Cam, and RJ, RJ, Cam, and Randall as like your two through four switching everything, Those that's three big, long dudes mm-hmm. who are pretty good at staying in front of guys and have a lot of length and a lot of strength. And that's a, that's a fun, awesome defense. It reminds me a lot of um, like... On the defensive side of the ball, okay, not the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball, it reminds me a lot of those Celtics teams when they had just gotten Tatum and Brown. Um, So you have like Tatum, Brown, Smart, all those Mm -hmm. young, long wings who are big and strong and uh, can stay in front of their men pretty well, right? Like it's that kind of big, mean defense. Um, I shouldn't even say big. It's like, I mean, it's a long... uh, mean defense anyways whatever i mean it's, awesome. it's still big because like cam and randall are pretty much the same height yeah they're big rj's rj's not that much shorter they all have plus wingspans they're all like it's it's it just works yeah it's great it's it's awesome now a bigger insult to iq to me is the fact that tibbs has been going to Derek. to Derek. yeah that's that's the act <laughs> as the primary ball handler in those second unit lineups even though he's not getting many minutes um basically oh no no he's getting too many minutes well he's getting way too many minutes yeah for sure i'm i just derrick rose i've always hated rooting for him since the trial um he just said some of the worst shit and Mm -hmm. did some terrible shit his legal team did terrible shit um and then the i think the league like commentators around the league handled it poorly so i've just always had and he never had like any there's no public recognition or reckoning or anything like that so i've always struggled to root for him but he's obviously been a good basketball player for a long time but he's actually been just bad this year Um, yeah just bad uh where you know last year i don't think he was particularly good the year before he was obviously very good for the knicks um last year he was good but not great i guess is a way to put it and this year he's just been He's just been bad. I think that's the biggest insult is that, and now IQ is getting only minutes basically as a two, as an off guard. Um, and I just, I don't, there's no, I don't get it. I, there's no reason for it because now all of his minutes, I like the fact that all of his minutes come with another ball handler. That's great. Um, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be the initiator in a lot of it. It's, and it's actually funny. It's like Brunson is more willing to defer to him um and a lot of actions than roses it seems like right now because um, brunson can do off ball stuff too yeah I don't it's like i i have the the minutes estimated from when i looked early in the morning back at like the timberwolves game quickly played basically 16 minutes rose played 13 yeah there's there's no excuse like if you want to start cam in the starting lineup because it makes sense to just not have someone touch the ball between brunson (laughs) rj and randall like it makes sense he's been good at point of attack it's because he's just so long and stays in front of everyone he's the only person who tries to like slither through and get small getting around a screen like he's the only person on the next who's willing to do that so like just then you could just have IQ as that super six man type guy who is playing close to starters minutes. Like there's no reason to have either Brunson or IQ like on the bench together. Like those two should always be on the court at some point.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.